0: The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and
1: all things violent. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 77 with a very special guest. Uh, if You guys have been listening to the last 24 episodes, actually skipping last week's. Uh, we just listened to Ain't No Messiah, uh, one chapter a week, and that was narrated by my special guest, Rick Cheddar. Thank you today for joining me, Rick.
0: Thank you, Mark. Thanks for, uh, for having me on. Um, it's, uh, it's a
1: thrill to be here. Awesome. Um, so I wanted to, you know, it's funny. Um, I don't talk, I don't think we ever talked in person, right? It was only through emails.
0: Yeah, that's Um, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, but uh, so I wanted to find out a little bit about you, what you do, how many audiobooks you've done, what got you into all that. Um, so what, yeah, if you could just kind of give me a little bit of a background about you and how you found this.
0: Uh, yeah, I've been in the broadcast business for a better part of thirty years uh, in radio and television. I've done some film work and, and things like that. And uh, for the last ten, I have uh, been working almost exclusively with Radio Memphis, which is uh, it's a, it's a radio station here in town um, that uh, that I own actually. It's a, we have a recording studio and things like that, and and uh, it's it's you know it's live radio the way, the way it was always meant to be. I think you know. Uh, we focus mainly on uh, music from this area. Uh, Memphis is a, uh, it's a hotbed of music here. You know, there's a lot of entertainment in this town. And so we focus on that. And uh, it wasn't until just about uh, a little over two years ago that I decided to get back into the voiceover work, uh, you know, to kind of step a little bit away from the station, doing as much as I was doing there. And uh, I've been working with an agency out of uh, Chicago, the Lori Lynn's agency, and I've been doing some uh, commercial work, uh, whether it's a radio or television voiceover. And then uh, a little over a year ago, I got into uh, the uh, audible thing, and I've been having a blast doing it. I've I've got over, I guess, fifty fifty books that I've done there.
1: Wow! No, now that's incredibly impressive, especially yeah. with how difficult it is. What with the amount of competition. Um, I don't remember how many auditions I had for Messiah, but I'm guessing it was at least fifty or sixty. Yeah. Uh, and you beat all of them out. I recently just did uh, Beyond Brightside, and that was about seventy plus auditions in just a matter of a couple of days. Um, and I know some authors will leave it up there for a while. So um, yeah, that's pretty. That's very impressive to have that. Now, how many? How many auditions would you say that you need to do? Before you land a job, like is it like maybe one out of every three or four, uh, one out that's, of every
0: ten? Yeah, that's about right. One every three or four. It depends. You know, these days things are certainly a lot different. There's a lot of guys and uh, a lot of folks that have been out of a job, mm-hmm. and so they're looking at ways to uh, bolster their income a little bit by by getting into the audiobook business. And you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys out there that. Uh, Don't necessarily have all the experience, but they're trying their hand at it, which is great. You know, I I recommend if anybody wants to get into this, you know, certainly they can. I mean, it's a lot of work, but, uh, uh, you know, it is so far. It's been a a, a great ride, Um, you know, out of those, you know, like right now I have, I think, probably 10 auditions in 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 the queue and some of them have been up there for a little over a month or so. So, you know, I, I'll just keep going and I'll eventually land one. And I, you know, I don't really worry too much about it, really.
1: Yeah. Um, and one of the things I was very impressed with yours was listening through, because that's one of the things that sucks about being an independent author is like, I have to do everything myself. So oh, yeah. I hire everyone, I have to listen to everything. So and with the audiobooks, you have to listen closely, to catch all the errors, because in my other ones... I would listen, like in the first couple audiobooks I did, I would listen, but I wasn't always listening carefully. And so I would miss a lot, but there would be so many errors. There'd be so many mistakes. And I understand like, it's super difficult. Um, and so, but sometimes it's happening when the narrator has their own editor and there is still, you know, I'd have to go back and catch a lot of mistakes. So with yours, I believe there were like maybe two in the entire book. Um, yeah, so that sorry. was, that, <laughs> no, so that was a, a very pleasant experience. I enjoyed listening to the book. Um, yeah, so that was, that was nice because I don't listen to audio books. Um, I've never listened to an audio book other than the ones that i produced. So, right, um, right. so yeah, so that, that was a very cool experience. Um, now, what do you, uh, prefer? Do you go after fiction, nonfiction? Like what is your mix right now? Cause out, out of those 50, uh, how, how do they kind of fall? I, I,
0: I guess that's kind of hard. To, it's a good question because one of the things that I, that I do when I, when I look through what's available for narration, I look at some of the things that, you know, some of the books that I would enjoy reading. And, uh, that helps because if you're into the subject matter, then it's, it's a lot easier to want to, you know, want to do the work. Um, uh, you know, I was doing a. Therefore, when I first started, I was doing a lot of the uh, self-help books, uh, but they were more on the lines of practical uh, stuff. You know, like uh, tips and tricks to, to to keep your head right. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. They were they were quick. They were fairly short. Uh, they I could you know I could crank them out pretty quickly. And uh, I, you know, I'm a big fan of history uh, and also you know nonfiction stuff as well. And and even even the, even the fiction, like the uh, science fiction, I'm a big fan of. Uh, There's some really, really good stuff that's out there and, uh, you know, or just uh, just a good tale. You know, there's you can't go wrong with with something that's got, you know, uh, story and character and
1: and real balance in there. I think that's important. And it
0: makes it easier for me to do it.
1: Now, did you when you were doing the self-help books, when you're narrating, are you getting anything from it? Are you are you kind of absorbing any of the messages like, if you had, like, uh, that a reader might pick up.
0: Well, yeah. Um, I mean, because I'm just like anybody else. I'm, I'm reading the book. And, mm. you know, so, yeah, there's going to be things that I'll remember and that will stick with me. And we go, wow, that's a, you know, I never thought of, you know, this particular scenario being handled like that or, or the other way around. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, it, yeah, there are some things in there. Like, you know, uh, one of the things that we, that I had done was involving uh, 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 taking care of the brain. You know, mm-hmm. and that was a, that was a, a really interesting story. I, I forget the name of the book, but it was about you know how the brain works, uh, the the development of what goes on in you know uh, as as an infant, and, and how the brain is built, and what it does, and what it's supposed to. Do protect it and all that kind of stuff There's some really fascinating stuff in there
1: yeah I, I noticed that you had um was that the only book you've done on the brain or were there a couple there
0: were two or three they were they were in They were like three part pieces you know oh, so okay they'd be, they'd be like three books and then they would all kind of come together as a as a, as a bundle you know down the okay yeah. yeah and it was that was just a writer that I was working with and uh you know he he would call me up and say, Hey, listen, I got, you know, I got a three book series. Can you, can you, you know, knock these out? And i all told her were like, what, nine hours, I think, you know, mm-hmm. all said and done if you put them all together. So each one being about three hours. So it's, you know, and, I, and I'm trying to go through it too is in a way that that, it, that can be really dry reading, you know, right. so you, you, you need to add, you know, a little bit of, you know, pleasantness to it. And some of it is, you know, it's just horrifying. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you hear some of the things that can go on inside the human body is just, oh, it's, it's horrific.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've I uh I had one nonfiction book, uh Unlocking the Cage, where I went around the country, interviewed all kinds of fighters, uh several hundred fighters, but I did not enjoy writing it. I didn't enjoy I don't enjoy writing fic- uh, nonfiction. It's just for me it's boring. I'd rather create and I'd rather kill and I'd rather Oh know, absolutely. Be able, yeah, be able to do what I want. Um and I think it probably makes for a much you know, definitely a much slower audio book as well. Um, but I am writing it. I swore I would never do another nonfiction book, but I'm doing one on, uh, recovering from traumatic brain injuries because yes. I've destroyed my brain with, uh, fighting football, uh, boxing, car accidents, you know, name it. Sure, um, sure. But that one, uh, yeah, I'm kind of stuck at the halfway point because I've been doing all these different therapies while talking with the, uh, all these doctors. So I've been trying everything out and I've improved my brain so much. I'm at a place where I was like, man, I feel awesome. I don't even feel like I need to do anymore. And, but, um, it's because of hearing those awful stories of other people. Like I, right. one of the stories, a friend of mine that I interviewed him a couple of months before he died, I uh, played football with him and he had advanced CTE, uh, from the traumatic brain injuries. And, um, and so, and like another, a boxing opponent of mine, I talked with him on the phone. I could barely understand him. He's an emotional wreck. Like he's not, he's not going to make it. And it's all from the brain damage. Um, so, but with that one, it's something that's like, I don't really want to do it, but I just feel like I need to. Um, so Yeah, there's probably, I would,
0: I would, I would probably suspect a sense of catharsis with that, you know, to, to, you know, cause you're offering, you know, uh, some sort of hope to some of these people that can probably recover like you have. And, yeah, uh, you know, I've got a family member who, who played uh, a lot of football through college and uh, was nearly headed to the NFL and uh, got pretty badly injured but uh, he passed away several years ago of uh early onset alzheimers and you know and they think that may have triggered it we don't know yeah
1: i i would say from all the research i'm doing like yeah that's that's most likely that's the most likely culprit that, what what started the process and um, yeah and that's what's nice one of i'm terrible at social media and i was just realizing this the other day like three, I don't know, maybe like four months ago, I wrote an article called Paying the Price. And it was talking about the what I've experienced with all the brain damage, why I started looking at it, how difficult it was, what I've learned. Um, and every time I sh- I've only shared it, like maybe two or three times. Uh, but every time I share it, and just like yesterday, I shared it, I had, I think, four different fighters reach out to me, uh, sending me messages, they hadn't even thought about it. Uh, and I actually got a couple people, uh, one of my friend's moms is going to start the neurofeedback. and so. It is, it is super, it's very rewarding to, uh, to know that sharing the experience can help other people uh, achieve something, you know, a better place. Well, sure. Yeah, it's,
0: there's, there's certainly um, something to be said for attacking difficult subjects like that and Mm -hmm. uh, coming at it with the, with the experience that you yourself as a writer have had. And I think that's important because people that are undergoing some of the same things are are probably a lot of fear that's going on with this as well. And they're trying to understand what, you know, what the hell's wrong with me? Why, why, why is this happening? And, and I think that's, I think it's remarkable that you're doing that. I think it's great.
1: Thanks. Yeah, no, and that's, that's even the conversation I have with my mom. Um, I know it's incredibly difficult for men, but even my mom's like, she was telling me, you know, that she was afraid of the results. You know, she doesn't want to see what her brain looks like. Uh, cause her sister has Alzheimer's, um, her sleep is terrible. So she's afraid of seeing what her brain looks like. But I was like, mom, I was like, aren't you glad that you caught breast cancer early? You know, it's like, you mm-hmm. want to be able to catch the things and then take care of them. Uh, so I was really pleased when she went ahead and started and it's only been, I think she's five sessions in and already feeling way better. So. Uh, yeah, that's pretty awesome.
0: That's great. No, that's, that's really good news. Yeah. And it is, it's important to, to look after that. I mean, the, the human body from my, from my understanding of the things that I've read and, and, and it's we're not as delicate as you would think, you know, we're pretty tough, uh, creatures. Yeah. Um, but the brain being the most, I guess the most, uh, most important part of the whole operation, you know, and it's only contained in a, in this little ball of bone. And, uh, and and it's incredible what happens when like traumatic injuries is that thing's just sloshing around in there. And it's scary when you really see what, what all that, what all that entails
1: yeah no it it definitely is and and that's one of the nice things i've learned too and and why i do like sharing my story because like i was like look i was a shitty fighter i wasn't a good fighter so i took a lot of abuse
0: (laughs) you were catching hands yeah
1: yeah i was uh i was tough you know so being a tough big strong guy is not uh always to your benefit um so i took a lot of abuse but being able to show like, okay you can recover like here were my scores, you know, six months ago, here I am now, here's how I felt then, here's how I feel now. Um, so I, I think that is kind of nice for, you know, I was talking about that with one of my fighter friends yesterday. He's like, well, your training's a lot smarter. You are going to take some damage, but you will be probably most likely be able to recover from it. It just might cost a little bit of money. So sure. Sure. Is,
0: would, you, would you say the recovery time is longer than the actual career in the ring?
1: Um, Probably not. Uh, it, I, it probably, it depends on the amount of damage, but with mine, it was, mine was spread out over two years. First I had to do hormone regulation because the yeah. inflammation in the brain destroys your ability to sub self-regulate your hormones. And so that's one of the major things. So once I cleaned up that, cleaned up my diet, uh, also worked on the emotional part by going to uh, behavior therapy, you know, yeah. being a therapist. Yeah. And then the, than the neural feedback to actually work on the brain waves. So it was probably about two years and probably cost me about $12,000. Um, and I'm not done yet. So, well, uh, sure. Yeah. So it, it, it could be a lengthy process. Um, I definitely spent more money than I ever made fighting. Uh, <laughs> you know. Well, but, you know, everything has its cost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you know, and I wouldn't trade it. And even, even my friend who I interviewed, um, who is pr- pretty close to being on his deathbed. Uh, it was the CT that made it, he, he died of leukemia, um, but he wasn't able to fight leukemia with chemotherapy or anything because of his brain. His, his CT had been so advanced, but even he, he was saying, you know, he wouldn't trade playing football. You know, that's part of his life and led oh, to sure. all these other things. And so, yeah, I think our, our experiences lead us to whatever. I wouldn't be here now if it weren't for all the things I've done. Um, well, I mean, yeah, you well,
0: got a good thing going. Uh, from what I can see here, man, you're a pretty prolific writer.
1: Uh thanks, man. That's I'm. I'm excited. I think this is going to be the year. Uh, well, maybe not this year. Maybe it's going to be next year. I, I plan on breaking out. Uh, being independent is super difficult. You're up against crazy odds, but that's what I want to be able to show my kids too. I'm like, look, said this is me. Like, I have to stay up late. I got to work. I like this is important, and this is why it's important. Um, and with me, it's never been about making money, which is probably one of the reasons that I've slowed me down with my career. Um, and I just enjoyed the process of writing. But now I'm at the point where I'm like, no, I do want to make turn this into a legitimate business, and um, you know, just mainly so I could show my kids, you know, what you can do, and then also I would be able to help a lot more people if I was making a lot more money. Well, of uh,
0: course, you know. Well, you know, like with uh, with the book that I did with you, uh, uh, "Ain't No Messiah." That was a uh... That was such a fun read, man. That, uh, that story is really incredible. And I was talking to some friends about it, uh, while we were in production. I said, you, you gotta, you gotta hear this. This is, I mean, this is, this is a really remarkable story that it's not like anything else that's out there, you know, and it's, it's really, it's really cool. I really enjoyed reading that book.
1: Oh, thank you, man. And that, it, it was, uh, it was cool listening to you you were the perfect voice for Joshua. Um, and it was, that's a tough book because I knew I knew it was very different from a lot of stuff out there. And it was going to be very hit or miss, you know, especially with all of his background, all the you know, all the all the early years. Um, but so, so far, the reviews have been pretty positive. And uh, yeah, I think I think when the whole series comes out, um, it should be pretty fun. And yeah. so we'll definitely have you back for, it's either going to be book three or book four where Joshua comes back into it. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one, the next main character is going to be this guy named Heimdall and a 40 year old teacher. Um, and so for that, I would like to hear how your voice sounds. If it could be different enough from Joshua, I don't know if we're going to want a different narrator for each character, right. Uh, right, right. but we'll see. Or in, in the final book, all the main characters are going to be coming together, so it might even be fun at that point to do a multicast. Uh, yeah,
0: those are fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody gets their parts, and then they send them off, and they all come together, and it's yeah,
1: yeah. I think I think that would be pretty amazing. I just did a, a multicast audiobook is my first one I did for um, Untold Mayhem, a collection of short stories, mm-hmm. and I honestly. I don't. I didn't like the collection as much as Twisted Reunion, which was my first horror collection. Um, I didn't think the stories were as strong, and uh, some of them were older. And they just, I don't know. I, I was afraid that they were going to sound alike. But then we got um, someone sold me on the idea of an audio uh, multicast, and we had nine different narrators. Originally, it was going to be twenty, but then COVID hit, and uh, lots of uh, yeah. studios were shut down. But the difference between having all those narrators, like each story is distinct. Uh, It it helps a a lot of listeners said how much they appreciate it and how much better it is to transition between the stories. Um, So I think from now on, for short story collections, I probably will go that route. Sure. Uh, A little more expensive, but I think it makes for a little bit better experience. Yeah, because
0: you're having to drag an engineer into that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, they're having to edit it and compile it all. Yeah.
1: Oh, I get it. Now, do you do all of your editing on your own or do you you have
0: something? Yeah. I've, uh, I've, like I said earlier, I was, I've been in the business so long that, you know, I can, I've learned to do it all. Just, you know, just because I've had to, and Mm -hmm. uh, I enjoy the process. Uh, You know, the, when you do it a long enough, you, you, you find that for performance, you want to make sure that you nail it as quickly and and as accurately as you can because, you know, time is of the essence. And when you're doing long form productions, like an audio book, you want to make sure that uh, you get it right the first time. There's a lot of, there's you know, a lot of people don't understand exactly what all goes into the production end of a, of an audiobook. And it's, it's time consuming. And, you know, you want to be able to, you know, use, you have to use a lot of the, your own natural gifts and abilities to pull it off. You know, you have to be able to cold read fairly well. You got to understand what direction the, that the author is going in with any of these stories or, or any of these books and to remember that. Ex- you go along and if there's a lot of different voices or characters that come into play I mean granted you know you're just one voice and you can only do really so much but you want to create those distinct that that occur in there it's not it's not a cartoon it's not a film it's it's a book it's it's, it's a book somebody is reading to you is the is the whole idea so I kind of you know I, I keep that in, in my mind now with like uh, with, with the one that we did with the Messiah, you know, Joshua is, I mean, that, that whole book is basically told by him in a way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, you gave me a couple of clues to work with. And then from there, we just, we, we just developed this, this sound that he had. And I think it was the South Carolina drawl that we wanted to put in there and and I aged his voice as time went on. Um, I don't know if you've really caught that, but it's he, he starts with, obviously, rather young. And then, you know, toward the end of the book, as he's, as he's a little older, his voice has changed. And all the abuse that he went through in his life and uh, the drugs and the alcohol and everything that went with his life, I mean, it, it will take a toll on anyone's voice. So we had to age his voice as we went through. And that was a fun process.
1: Yeah, no, that was nice. Um, were there any parts of the book that were difficult to read or... or- Uh, no every bit of it was a blast
0: yeah no i mean the you know the subject matter is you know it's what it is you know you 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 know what you're getting yourself into pretty quickly in in that story and and it just uh it wasn't like if you're if you're insinuating that you know it was cringy or anything it's like oh i can't believe this is happening to this guy or i can't believe i'm having to read those following lines but no it's you just do what you do is as an actor that's what you have to pull off that's the important part because now for somebody listening to it that may not understand exactly what it is they're getting themselves into that might be a different thing but uh, but you know that happens all the time that's what entertainment is and and it is an incredibly entertaining book
1: awesome man well i i appreciate it um now let's go back to your radio station uh yeah. you mentioned you guys focus on music from your area now is it all kinds of music or yeah, it's all genres. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh,
0: and, and what I mean by our area, we go, we're, we're in between, you have to think of it this way. We're in between little rock and Nashville and there's a lot of great music that, that came out of here through the years and still does. I mean, we, we have probably nearly 800 different artists in our, in our, in our libraries and we rotate about that many tunes in regular rotation. And we have some specialty shows like, uh, uh, we have, show that we do on Sunday night. A lot of this that that one was all, you know, bands in 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 the studio performing live on the air. And well, thanks to COVID, that's been on hiatus, but and we've also got another show that uh, focuses on independent music from outside our area as well. And and we get music from everywhere from Russia to, you know, the 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 jungles of Thailand. I mean, it's uh, it's a trip, so it's kind of cool to hear some of that stuff. And, uh, so yeah, we, we, we do, we do a lot of that. It's, 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 it's good fun. And the show that I do during the week, uh, Monday through Friday from nine to two central time is really kind of a, uh, it's more of a, the old fashioned morning drive type of thing. And it's, uh, it, you know, we focus on some like wacky news, you know, stuff that that, to be, to be a bit of an escape from all the depressing that's going on in the world right now. And, and and it's just a matter of just being light and entertaining but we also stay on top of what else is going on and you know some of the big stories that are happening we want to make sure that people understand what's going on
1: nice um on the per, on a personal note do you try to stay away from everything that's happening do you kind of because i i kind of feel i don't know kind of cowardly in a way admitting that but man i tune out i don't i let my wife pay attention to all the news and she'll film me on, on some stuff, but I was like, I just don't want to hear it. I don't want the negativity. I know I'm going to be angry and upset and in a worse place. If I put all that into my head every day, you
0: know, uh, because of the, of that show, that morning show, I'm having to really spend, I spend a, a probably way too much time reading about it mm-hmm. and you know, I have to stay on top of it, but there's also that there's a, there's a point in my day Uh, where I just stop, you know, it's like, this will be here when I, when I see it again tomorrow and, um, I need to do something else. You know, I need to, I don't know, watch a movie. I need to check out for a minute, you know, play a video game, do something, you know, just to uh, give myself a bit of a break because it can, it can really, really wear you down. And, and, you know, it's like with, with COVID, you know, do you want to, uh, you know, I'm already a bit of an introvert anyway, (laughs) so I'm perfectly happy being in my little space here. Um, but at the same time, there's, you know, it's disrupted all of our lives, you know, and, uh, you know, my wife and I've talked about, you know, when are we going to go out to a restaurant again? And when we, you know, we, we miss it. We want to do these things and you start testing the waters here and there, but you try not cause I don't want to catch it, man. I've, I know, yeah. I've known a few people that had it and I've, I've got uh, one neighbor that passed away from it and it's, uh, it's, uh, thankfully we've, we've been fortunate enough to avoid it and, uh, and we're just going to kind of, you know, do our thing and not let it, Drive our lives, you know. That's that's the important part.
1: Yeah, that's how. That's exactly how we're dealing with it. Uh, and the same thing. We our neighbor at the top of the hill, three doors down, he died of it. Um, you know, he's probably in his sixties, I think. Um, yeah. And uh, my co-author, um, I have a book coming out. We're actually going to put the audio book up next week for auditions. Uh, Try not to die in the pandemic. Um, and at first, we weren't sure if we even wanted to touch that. M- material. Um right. but my co author actually got COVID. Uh so he lost a couple of friends. A couple of his friends died from it and he was very, very bad. Um and so there's a uh one of the death scenes, the main character actually gets this virus. It's a different virus, but right. a very, very powerful thing because it's like he lived it. He was, you know, he was he was there. So he said it was incredibly cathartic for him to, you know, to write that scene, to write the entire book. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, scary times, but yeah, I think that's a, you know, be smart about it. That's that's, probably- Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. You don't want to be, you don't want to just, you know, put yourself in a jar somewhere and, and wait it out. I mean, you still gotta, still gotta live, man. I mean, my wife uh, just got home a little while ago and she and I are going to go uh, brave the grocery store and the hardware store. So, you know, we we've got stuff to do Our life goes on, you know?
1: Yeah. Awesome. Um, trying to think. I know there was something else, but I can't remember it now. Uh, Oh, on your show, do you ever, do you guys ever bring on local non-musicians? Do you ever? Every uh, once in a while. Yeah. Every every once in a while.
0: Well, you know, there'll be somebody that's, uh, you know, doing something in the community that we want to, you know, help promote a little bit. Uh, In fact, uh, a good friend of ours is working with an organization called Heal the Hood. And it's uh, it, you know the, the development of community centers in some of the more uh, depressed areas around town to to you know help uh, break the cycle of these kids that are keep you know keep getting into trouble by giving them something to do you know mm-hmm. and uh, giving them a place to learn something new and uh, you know, pick up new skills, whether it, you know, whatever it might be and, you know, give them an opportunity to have a little bit of hope in their homes. And, and I think, it, so we, you know, we do that, you know, we talk about that. We bring in people that are working in literacy campaigns, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. We do it all the time.
1: Nice. Um, yeah, I don't, I've, I drove through the area once, uh, when I was doing the MMA book and I stopped in, um, Little Rock. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there's the gym there, Westside MMA, uh, but made some really good friends there. So if you ever do need a fighter, uh, they have an excellent one there, TJ Brown, uh, who's now in the UFC. Um, and when I interviewed him, he was, uh, I think he just had his son. I think he grew up very poor, had a tough life. Uh, but he had set his sights on getting into the UFC and now he's there. And, uh, it's just kind of cool to see him. Uh, I think his last fight, he actually broke his orbital, uh, the bone, um, but it's nice to see him, you know, hitting those dreams. Which is oh, nice. sure,
0: sure, yeah. There was a there was a place downtown uh, years ago that used to host uh, uh, boxing matches. Uh, it was like the second or third Tuesday of the month, and it was a lot of the up and comers that were that were starting to work. And man, we had much fun going to those things. It was just a blast to watch these guys work it because you know they hungry fighters you know who wanted to get in there and and make a name for themselves so they were really putting on a good show and uh i had a ball and of course that's uh, that's long since gone away but uh there used to be a couple of gyms here and uh, now more of it is sort of of gravitated more to mma and uh we got some smaller league guys here as well so it's fun to see that these guys are doing it And and they're and they're learning good proper safe ways to do it too which is
1: great yeah, yeah, I cuz I I do struggle with that. It's like, man, eh, do I really want to support, you know, uh fighting when I know the dangers that are associated with it?" Right. But, you know, everyone's got to make their own decisions and take the risks you want to take. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. up to,
0: you know, it's I I've always thought that the NFL would probably do better by uh, making them take the helmets off. <laughs> yeah. You know, go back to go back to the leather, you know, and, you know, instead of using these pads as a weapon, you know, use it for what it's designed for.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, then that's um, I actually interviewed the guy who wrote head games. He's in charge of Boston university. And um, he got really bad concussions when he was at Cornell and didn't know. And um, yeah, but it went into just how, you know, people say these helmets are helping. It was like, no, they make it so you could hit even harder. And uh, oh sure. Yeah. So that football, if I were to choose between my son fighting or playing football, I would probably go with fighting. Um,
0: yeah it makes sense if you think about it you know because i've talked to a lot of fighters who'll tell you that you know 90 percent of what they do is is in the gym you know mm-hmm. they th- that's that's everything and that they don't really want to fight per se they want to get in there and get out as quickly as possible because of that i mean you're you're off up to all of these injuries so you know you're in there three six nine minutes boom you're out get you know yeah get and go you know that's the that's the thing, and then get back into the gym and start working as they do, and they spend a lot of time doing it.
1: Yes, sir. Um, well, I know you've got to go shopping, and I should probably go. I promised my son I'd play some video games with him today. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. weekend, so he he had a good week of school, so I'm going to go do that. Um, now, where can people find you? Uh, if you could mention the radio station again, and then also if anyone's looking for uh, someone to produce an audio book.
0: Yeah. Station online at radio-memphis.com. Everything is right there. Of course, I'm all over social media. You can just search my name, and it's R-I-C-C-H-E-T-T-E-R, and you can do that same thing on Audible, and you can find the books that I already have there. And uh, if you're a, if you're a writer that's listening to this and one, would like to uh, you know, consider me for your for your book, uh, you can uh, find us or find me on A C X, which is the Audible uh, Exchange, right there. It's where the writers and the narrators all hang out together, and uh, you can find me there as well.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you again for the incredible job you did on Ain't No Messiah. That that was awesome.
0: Thank uh, you so much.
1: I, yeah, I can't wait to bring you back for that. And thank you for being a guest on here today. It was awesome getting to actually talk with you.
0: Absolutely, Mark. And uh, thank you again for having me on the show. And uh, and uh, I'll I'll tell everybody about it. Get you some more listeners.
1: Uh, I appreciate it, man. Well, you have an awesome weekend, and I will talk to you later on.
0: Thank you, sir. We'll see you next time.
1: Okay, see ya. All right, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed hearing from Rick. Uh, that was pretty cool. That was fun for me. Um, yeah, I am excited about what's going to be the the next book with his character. Um, but that also means I need to hurry up and finish The Bridge, which is book two. So maybe I'll start that pretty soon. Just got so much shit going on. But anyhow, today's short story, we'll pull it from Untold Mayhem. Um, I say we go with one of my favorites. It was written this past year. Actually, it's probably yeah It was in 2019. I wrote it one of the last ones to be written. It is called in the cards Not sure who narrates it, but I will put that down in the description All right guys here it is in the cards from untold mayhem
2: In the cards This neighborhood is all palm trees and plush lawns. The street's quiet. Kids are at school. Adults at work. Real jobs making real money. Not $50 here and there, maybe a few hundred at a party reading people's fortunes. I've been sitting here five minutes, but it's ten o'clock. Time to perform. My selenite necklace warms my hand as I rub it between my thumb and forefinger. I lock on my eyes in the rearview mirror and tell myself, believe. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, doesn't matter what they say. Just believe. My smile feels genuine, my eyes are brighter blue. I pick up my purse and hope Jill won't spot it's a knockoff. My silk pouch is in there, on top of the yellow pepper spray Fernando insists on. He doesn't doubt my judgment, only my ability to protect myself. It's the same reason he carries his own canister. With my luck, the spray will leak all over my purse, so I toss it into the glove box. It slides off the yellowed owner's manual and slips beside a sprig of sage. I can't let fear control me. The glove box doesn't latch that great anymore and pops right open, I try again, and it stays until I shut the car door. There's no time for this, so I head up the driveway, past the Range Rover, the sun sparkling off its dazzling white exterior. My rusty red hatchback's in embarrassment. Same one I was so proud of back when I was 18. I try not to notice the details so they won't cloud my judgment and alter the reading. But it's hard not to. It's bad enough that Jill already told me her husband is a sheriff— but now here's a house we could never afford on Fernando's teaching salary and a car we couldn't lease. I blow out a deep breath and knock on the door. Heavy thuds approach and a man says, Just a second. The man who opens the door is a head taller than me with short brown hair and a crisp blue button-down hugging his muscular frame. He offers his hand in a straight smile. Gwen, I'm Robbie. Come on in. Thank you so much for having me. The entryway is lined with photos of Robbie and Jill in different locales. Drinks in hand in every one. Jill is the one you should thank. She couldn't stop talking about how amazing you were. Well, I'm glad you're up for it. Have you done this before? Virgin. Robbie walks me past the stairs leading down, then points at the mahogany table in the dining room. Will this work? This is perfect. I pull out the chair that faces the fireplace, set the purse by my feet. Will Jill be joining us? I ask Robbie, who has walked into the adjoining kitchen. Everything in the kitchen is shiny black tile and silver appliances. With his hand on the fridge, Robbie says, She's out, running errands. Sorry, I figured she would have mentioned it in her texts. I pick up the purse, set it on the table, and take out the pouch. Oh, it's no problem. I just assumed she'd be here. He opens the fridge and asks what I'd like. Got beer, coolers, soda? Thanks, but I'm all set. Robbie walks over with a corona and says, Yes, it's early, but I work graveyard and just cut off. He picks up a deck of cards from the counter and holds it so I can see the Norse god on the cover. Should we use these? I just bought them yesterday at a New Age store. Man, I felt like a nutcase walking through there. I smile to hide the hurt and make it seem as if it's a joke when I say, a feeling I know all too well. Oh, I didn't mean anything by it. It comes with the territory— Nutcase, certifiable, going to hell, scammer, preying on the weak. Everyone's got their opinion. I almost say something about Fernando not believing, but don't want Robbie judging me and my relationship with my husband. He sits across from me and drinks from the bottle. Well, I promise you'll get none of that from me. That's sweet of you, but we better wait to see how you feel when I'm done. I slip the cards out of the pouch, And if you don't mind, I'd prefer using my set. The reading will be more accurate. Not at all. He nods at the cards. Are those the ones you used for Jill? I shuffled the deck and set it in front of him. Yep, it's the only one I use. My teacher said to connect with one set and stick with it. So far, so good with this one. Like I said, Jill was impressed. She kept talking about it, said we were in for a big change. His eyes are hard. Yet kind, capable of fun. If I had to guess, they'd seen death, but he was still happy and living, not simply surviving. I ask Do you have any questions before we start? Do you need these to see my future? I've heard some people can tell what a person is all about just by looking at them. One of my friends can see auras, but I've never had that ability. And as for the cards, I'm not predicting your future as much as helping you examine yourself. Great. My least favorite activity, he says with a smile. Think of it as a dialogue between you and the images and messages tied to them. Got it. Robbie takes another swig of beer. Do I respond to your answers? It's your session, so feel free to do as you like. Although you'd probably be more likely to accept truths if you don't feed me any details. We can just let the cards do the talking. He takes a drink, but keeps his eyes on me. Did Jill tell you anything? It's hard to remember, especially with so many readings one after another. Lots of times the thoughts leave me as soon as the energy changes. I'm sure that's a good thing. I wouldn't want to walk around with everyone else's thoughts filling my head. I hate this part because I know it sounds crazy, but it's something I need to do. Do you give me permission to access whatever energy comes to me? Absolutely. He takes a quick drink and says, You haven't been doing it already? Is there an on off switch? Sort of, but no one can see it. I close my eyes and pray to my guardian angel, ask for guidance and clarity. If I walk around this open, I'd be a basket case within the week. Wow, he says, sounding like he's just being polite. The house seems colder than it had been. I would have chalked it up to the air conditioning kicking on if it weren't for the accompanying image of a baseball bat. You okay, he asks. You shivered. I say I'm fine. Did you happen to play baseball? Hey, that's no fair, he says with a smile. There's my college photo in the hallway. That must be it, I say, figuring the photo got picked up by my subconscious. All right, if you're ready to do this, please tap the top of the deck three times to clear the energy. Like this? You're a natural. Go ahead and shuffle the deck. If there's a question you'd like answered, please think of it now, but keep it to yourself. Done. Robbie shuffles the cards like a professional poker player and sets them back down. Now, one at a time, pick five cards and place them face down. First in the middle, then left, right, below, and above. With no hesitation, Robbie lays out all five. Ignores the thump that sounds like it came from below us. I point to the first card and say, This one represents your present situation or your question, something you're dealing with. When I lay my hand on it, I'm hit with another image of a bat. But don't say anything and turn the card over. Robbie says, Oh, swords. Like Jill's. You're right, page of swords she got. This one is the knight. Pretty badass. The card depicts a strong man on horseback, weapon at the ready, crows flying overhead. I haven't met a man who didn't like that card. The knight is bold, courageous, and confident. He'll sacrifice anything to achieve his goal. Before I can warn him about the negative aspects like self-obsession, craftiness, tyranny, he says, makes perfect sense. I place my hand on the card to the left. This card is past influences that are still affecting you. As I flip it, I'm hit with an image of a shattered mirror. The Nine of Swords does it matter if it's upside down? Actually, this one is right side up. The knight was reversed, but in this deck we can disregard direction. So what's this tell you? doesn't look so good. The nine is sorrow and pain, worry and anxiety, misery and unhappiness. He's shaking his head like none of those apply. I say, could also be trials and tribulations, something you have to go through to grow. I've had my share of those. You wouldn't believe the stuff I've seen at the jail. Oh, I'm sure. It could be something even earlier, too. Maybe childhood. My guardian angel flashes a body lying on a hardwood floor. Perhaps a death in the family. Robbie scratches his chin. Can't think of anyone. All right, we'll move on, I say, not letting it shake my confidence. The third card signifies the future. What will come of the situation? What, no sword? He says, having fun with it. Four of cups. This is a good one. Means you're in for a spiritual awakening. Uh, I'm not sure how likely that is. I don't even know if I'm capable. Gently, so he knows it's not an attack, I ask, Why would you say that? There's another thump from below. But he doesn't seem to notice and says, I'm an atheist. Have been since I was old enough to make up my own mind. Spiritual doesn't mean you have to believe in God or spirits or anything like that. Okay, as long as I'm not going to start doing yoga and burning incense all day. I give a little laugh and tap the four. You can also think of it as help coming from a powerful source or a different approach to a new problem, new relationship possibilities. He's smiling, looking right at me. Well, we might need to check with Jill first. I tuck my hair behind my ear and pray I'm not blushing. Back to business, I move to the fourth card. Now the reasons or causes that led you to your situation. I flip the card, which is also reversed. This is another powerful one. The moon signifies transition. Emerging talent, psychic powers, solitude, peace... Robbie stares at the card, his forehead wrinkled. Hmm? Well, it could also reveal obstacles in your way of achieving what you want. It goes with the Nine of Swords and can tell us more about the past event. Okay, he says, not looking very impressed. Last one. I lay my hand on the card, blocking the unsettling feeling in my gut. I flip the card and say, This is what will happen if you stay on your current path. His smile says he's pleased with the reversed card. Sweet. I'm gonna turn into Gandalf. I can see why Jill said he was charming. The magician, very powerful male. Creativity, inventiveness, imagination, confidence, wisdom. Although you do have to be careful it doesn't lead to the negative aspects, which are... Well, the magician is not always a good person and is known for using his power to commit wrongs. I'm one of the fairest guards in the jail. Perhaps it's not about your job. Do you have power anywhere else? Over anyone? He shakes his head. The important thing to remember is just how these cards all relate to one another. So what do they tell you? Well, the overall result could be a couple of things depending on your question. If it's. An even louder thud from below stops me. Did you hear that? Probably one of the cats. There's an orange tabby at its water bowl, a fat gray one on the couch. How many do you have? Two. There's another thump, this one vibrating through the floor. Goosebumps spread down both arms my angel bringing back the image of the bat. Someone's down there. The house is silent, both of us listening, Robbie says. Must be a pipe or something. I get up and walk over to the staircase leading down. I steady my voice and call down, Who's there? No response. I wait for Robbie to call me crazy, but he keeps it to himself and joins my side. He says, I've actually been hearing noises the last few nights. My spirit sense is tingling. My body filled with dread. What's down there? My little man cave TV and a bar is about it. I nod down the stairs. Can we? Of course. He leads the way, but even with all his muscles, I'm not so sure he can protect us. There's something down here, and it's angry. We enter the small room. A large TV above the fireplace, a wooden bat on the mantle. I stop in the doorway because, although I can't see anything, there's no ignoring the enraged presence in the middle of the room. Robbie glances back at me. You okay? You look like you saw a ghost. I don't want him to think I'm nuts, But this is why I was called here. My chance to save a soul. There's something. It's furious. He faces the fireplace. Where? I close my eyes and focus on the energy. I reopen them and say, A foot in front of you. All I see is red. I'd step back. He does, but he takes his time to show he's not afraid. I remember the sage in my glove box. "'I'm gonna run to my car. Don't move. Just keep repeating these words. Surround me fully and completely. Remove the spirit from my house.' I shouted again as I run up the stairs and out the door. My fight or flight fully kicked in. I grabbed the sage and lighter from the open glove box, the pepper spray flying out the door and rolling under the car. The spray won't help, so I race back inside and down the stairs, holding my necklace, repeating my mantra, Protect me. Robbie's standing right where I left him, not saying a word. A large mirror frame I hadn't noticed before is resting against the wall to his right. The glass removed. I light the sage and enter the room, my shoes clacking on the hardwood. Surround me fully and completely. Remove this spirit from my house. He's looking a bit to the right, where I sense the red blob of energy. He asks... What is it? The energy is lashing out in wide arcs, hard enough to disturb the smoke from the sage. It wants to hurt you. It's attached to you, maybe something from your work. Without looking at me, he says, could it be a prisoner? I repeat the prayer while making the sign of the cross with the sage. Maybe, I don't know. What should I do? He sounds nervous now. Is it saying anything? Say the prayer with me. Robbie joins the next round, then asks, Is it leaving? I make three more crosses, feel the spirit coming. It's a woman. Robbie turns to me, his face like stone. This is crazy. I'm receiving a message, but it's weak and garbled, maybe nothing more than my imagination. I close my eyes and try to tap into it. Warn you. Warn you. Hold on, I'm getting something. There's a familiar energy I can't place. She was betrayed. Robbie backs up to the doorway, his nervousness replaced by anger. What's that lying bitch telling you? The spirit says run. But Robbie's blocking the only exit. An image of a steel pole with a hook at the end comes to me. I don't know what it is. But I understand I'm in danger. Actually... I was wrong. It's a man. He's saying he used to be your friend. Now we got two lying bitches. My phone's in my purse upstairs, but even if it was in my hand, there's no way I could dial 911 before he jumps me. An image of a roaring fire fills my mind. This is all your fucking fault, he says. His voice is so dark. Jill wouldn't have gone snooping if it weren't for your reading. I turn to the fireplace and grab the poker beside it. Just let me leave. There's nothing here. No one would believe me. I've got no idea if it's my guardian angel or Jill's spirit. But someone's showing me a home run. The ball flying out of the park. Robbie says, last chance. Put that down. Now... The energy rushes past me and collides with Robbie, the force knocking him back a step, his hands covering his face. Nice try, bitch. He lowers his hands, his eyes going wide when he sees me mid-swing, the poker flying for his face. The sharp hook of the poker buries deep in his skull, the thud vibrating up my arms. I let it go but it stays embedded, hanging awkwardly from the side of his head. Robbie opens his mouth to speak, but nothing comes out. The ball of energy circles in front of him and knocks him backward, sending him crashing to the floor. All my strength leaves me as I collapse on the recliner, the image of a cheering crowd dying down, until the only thing left is the plop, plop, plop of blood.